Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Leviticus, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if you've been following us on this journey of going through the Bible on Sunday mornings, you may have noticed that we took a big jump this week. We went from Exodus chapter 32 all the way to Leviticus 16. Now, in order for us to preach through the Bible in two years, we got to make some jumps. Otherwise, I'll be preaching through the Bible start to finish until Jesus returns, or he calls me home, whichever comes first. That doesn't mean that we're not, that that what we're jumping is not important, which is why you should still be reading God's word today. It just means that we do have to pick and choose what is important for us to hear in God's word. So what have we jumped today, if you will? Well, we've jumped much of the order and construction of the tabernacle, what God set up for his people to really set his people apart from all the other nations. Israel had left Sinai, and so God is still going to go with them. He's going to provide for them a way to worship, a way to receive his blessings, and a place where he will dwell amongst his people. It's what becomes the foundation of our churches today. It was made very specific, and the part to draw your attention to is the tent of meeting, which contained the holy place and the most holy place, or the holy of holies, you might hear it called. And it was the meeting place between God and man. The most holy place also contained the Ark of the Covenant, and on the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat or the footstool of God, because that is where God's presence dwelled. It was his throne on earth. The Ark of the Covenant itself contained the Ten Commandments. Not the original, but the revised standard version that Moses had to remake since he broke the originals. It also contained a jar of manna from their wilderness wanderings, as well as the rod or the staff of Aaron. Now, once a year on the Day of Atonement, which is also known as, anybody know? What the Day of Atonement is also known as? No, not Passover. Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. Now, on this day, the high priest entered into the most holy place to appear before the Lord. Atonement is about covering something. But you'll also hear other words used to describe it, like ransom, reconcile, even to redeem with the idea that an innocent life becomes the substitute for the guilty life and the transfer of guilt from the guilty one to the innocent. And so the blood of the innocent that is shed covers up the guilt and the shame of the sinful one. Atonement, what it does is it brings cleansing. 
And in Leviticus, we hear about the Day of Atonement. And what happens when the blood of the sacrifice is sprinkled on or covers the place of atonement, that mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. Now, there were three animals that were used on the Day of Atonement. First, there was a bull. The bull that was sacrificed was presented on behalf of the high priest and his family, the first high priest being Aaron. The high priest would sacrifice it, and its blood would be sprinkled on the mercy seat, covering it. The high priest is the one who is coming into God's presence. And so what's the first thing he's going to do? He's going to make atonement for himself. He's going to receive the forgiveness of sins. In that same kind of light, we took some of the church's liturgy that we don't use very often, and we followed that same order in our confession and forgiveness of sins today. You may have noticed it was a little bit different. So what did we do first? We first did it for me. And then there was the confession and forgiveness for you the people. Which brings us to the other two animals, which were two goats. Now, lots were cast, and the lot that fell on the goat for the Lord would become the second sacrifice. The third goat would not. The goat that the lot fell on was presented on behalf of the people, and then it was sacrificed just like the bull, and its blood was also sprinkled on the mercy seat, covering it. Blood was a substance that embodied both the physical and spiritual life. And because the animal was the replacement for the people, its blood covers up their sins, cleansing them, physically and spiritually. As Hebrews 9 will later show us, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Sin renders one unclean. God is clean and holy and perfect. And for him to dwell with his people, he needs to do away with their uncleanliness, do away with their sin. And there is a price to be paid for sins. And rather than taking the lives of the people, God establishes these sacrifices as atonement for the people. And then there's the other goat, the goat that is not sacrificed. Here in Leviticus, that was the goat, not for the Lord, but for Azazel, usually translated as the departing goat or the scapegoat. Now, a scapegoat for us in our world is usually someone who gets the blame and the punishment for something that they didn't do. Here, this goat had the sins placed upon it before it was released. The laying of hands beforehand was like corporate confession of the people. For all of the people, all of the sins of the people of Israel were placed on that goat which had done no wrong. This goat was then led out into the wilderness to be free or to die, signifying that the sins of the people of Israel had been taken away forever. That wilderness was the opposite location to the most holy place. Azazel really kind of signified the sinful world, the demonic realm, even hell, if you will. 
And in modern Hebrew, the words lech, la, azazel, correspond to the English phrase, go to hell. And that's exactly what the Israelites wanted to happen to their sins, to be cast into the depths of hell for all time. The goat, those sins, rather than the people. Because what happens if you do not follow God's commandments, those sitting in the Ark of the Covenant? What happens if you don't follow God's commandments as he outlined on the Day of Atonement? What happens if you enter the most holy place not on the Day of Atonement? What happens if you don't follow God's commands regarding how he set up his tabernacle? To all of these questions, they all have the same answer. And we could even ask Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, what the answer is. Because you know what they did? They offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, and they were struck down for it. The answer to all the questions is, you don't follow God's commands, you get death. Sin deserves punishment. That punishment is death. Physical death and spiritual death doesn't matter if you're the high priest called by God to serve him, whether you're the high priest's sons, which means you would be next in line after him. doesn't matter if you are the grace, greatest, nicest, law-abiding Israelite. The answer is death. And so when the people sinned, God provided a way for them to be cleansed, to be freed from the iniquity of their sin, freed from death. So what does the Day of Atonement have to do with us? I'm so glad you asked. What was true of the people of Israel in Leviticus is true for us today. Even though we don't celebrate Yom Kippur, which takes place, anybody know? It's the best month of the year. September. Our sin renders us unclean. We're all sinners. We do not keep the commandments of God. We do not follow his laws perfectly. Most of the time, we don't follow his laws at all. God is clean and holy and perfect. And for him to dwell with us, his people, he needs to do away with our uncleanliness, to do away with our sin. Our sins deserve death. As blood embodied both physical and spiritual we deserve to lose our earthly lives. We deserve to die on this earth, and unfortunately, most of us will unless Jesus returns first. More importantly, we deserve spiritual death. We deserve eternal death, condemnation. We deserve hell. To be forever separated from God, never to dwell in his presence. That's what we deserve. That is the price we are to pay. But rather than taking our lives, God atones for the sins of his people. You and me through one sacrifice. And who does that? You probably already guessed it right now. And that is, it's Jesus. Right? And what's really interesting is that when we think about the day of atonement, Jesus really becomes every part of the day of atonement. So let's revisit some of them. So first you have the two goats, 
right? That first goat is sacrificed in order to atone for the sins of the people. The innocent goat dies for the sins of the people. Jesus is the innocent one, the perfect, the sinless son of God who dies for his people. His sacrifice on the cross pays for our sins. On the other hand, Jesus is also our scapegoat. He never sinned. He kept God's law holy, perfectly in thought, word, and deed. Yet he was crucified for our sins. He took our sins upon himself as if he had committed all of them, and he died on the cross. He got the blame for our sins. He got the punishment for our sins. Now, some people might not think that's very fair. Some people might not think that's very just by human standards. But God used him as our scapegoat in order to conquer our sin, to conquer our suffering, to conquer our death, both physical and spiritual, so that we would live forever. However, death is not the end for Christ because he rises from the dead. And in his resurrection, he took our sins away once and for all. Lech la Azazel. Go to hell. Jesus sent our sins to hell. And he triumphs them over the grave. And when Jesus died, the veil of the temple curtain was torn in two. It was ripped from top to bottom. This showed what Jesus had accomplished in his death. Because as a result of his self-sacrifice, the way into the Father's presence, the way into the most holy place, was now open for all of his people. Remember, in the Old Testament, only the high priest on one day of year, the day of atonement, could enter into the most holy place. But because of Jesus' death and resurrection, now all people at all times have open access to God through Jesus, through faith in him by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 3, Paul alludes to the day of atonement to describe the purpose for Christ's death. God appointed Jesus as our new mercy seat, the place of atonement and God's gracious presence. Through his blood, Jesus gained redemption for sinners. And those who trust in him, believe in him, by his blood are justified by his grace. So Jesus is both the place of atonement, the mercy seat, and he's the high priest who makes atonement before God with his blood. Jesus brought his own blood into the Father's presence to make atonement for sinners. And God justifies those who have faith in Jesus and grants them, his, grants them access to his presence, to his grace, to his love, to his mercy. Or as the reading from Hebrews says, as you heard today, the high priest entered the most holy place on the day of atonement and performed the rite of atonement in God's presence. Jesus entered into heaven, the heavenly sanctuary, if you will, only once at his ascension, to appear before God on behalf of all the people. And Jesus fulfilled what the high priest had begun that day, 
by offering himself as the perfect sin offering for the whole world so that exalted by God, he could enter into the heavenly sanctuary with his blood and open the way for all people to come to his divine presence, to be with him in heaven. The high priest was the only one who ever passed through the curtain of the most holy place. No one else was ever allowed to approach the throne of grace, otherwise they'd die. But Jesus entered the heavenly sanctuary, opened up a new and living way into the heavenly sanctuary for all his people. Through the flesh and blood of Christ, we now can approach his throne of grace with a clear conscience. We who have the privilege of open access to God can receive mercy and help from him. What this means is whatever we go through in life, our struggles, our pain, our suffering, our temptations, our sins, we take them to God. And we can because Jesus has opened that door. Because of Good Friday and because of Easter Sunday, we don't need to celebrate the Day of Atonement. And we don't need to celebrate it every year over and over and over again because Jesus Christ did it all for us once and for all. And the atonement has really shaped our worship. It's shaped the way our churches look. Because you take a look, there's no barrier dividing anything. There's no separation in any parts of the sanctuary. No curtains, no veils that you don't have access to. We are all able to enter into the sanctuary and we get to receive the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is our high priest when we celebrate his supper. And our altar symbolizes his throne of grace because it is there that God gives us his means of grace. It reminds us of the mercy seat that was set over the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place where God dwelt. And as well, the altar that we have also reminds us of those burnt offerings that were in the courtyard of the tabernacle. But they're no longer kept apart because Christ has opened the way into his heavenly sanctuary through his body and his blood. The altar as the mercy seat where we come to receive mercy and grace from God. And so by faith, we enter into his heavenly sanctuary whenever we celebrate the sacrament. And Jesus comes to us to cleanse us, to purify us, not just with his body and blood in his supper, but also through the waters of holy baptism, where he washes us, cleanses us from our sins through the water and the word. And the word that we shall graciously get to hear, which creates faith in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, these means of grace that are given to us by our great high priest, the one who goes before us, the one who goes behind us, the one who goes beside us, who has given us the victory over sin, death, and the devil because of his death and resurrection, who gives eternal life to all who believe. He is our one and only atonement, and he is all that we ever need. 
Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.